Are you ready? Power. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information. We are the Alliance Guys, hashtag we are the Alliance with me is not DKM. No, no, no. He had to take the evening off, but I found a suitable replacement in the chairman of the other Alliance guys. I'm talking about Tim from NWA Gold. And of course, our good old pal Jaden is with us. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? I'm swell, but the swelling's gone down. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing well. Jaden, how are you doing? I'm doing well, even though I think if I don't make it through this podcast, there's three cats that are stalking me. And one of them might eat me. I'm just giving a heads up. <laughs> so if we hear a large swallowing sound, we know that that's what's going on. You've just been consumed. I bet you it's the little one. She's always the terror. <laughs> the terror. Anyways, uh, I'm giving it just a few seconds here because we're still getting people jumping on the show. And again, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, this, we're here every week to talk about the NWA. We're here to talk with you the hashtag NWA fam. Uh, you know, we, we spend every Thursday kind of mulling and reviewing and recapping and, you know, retconning and reconsidering why we watch NWA power each and every Thursday and try to make sense of some of the storylines that are happening. And one of the things that I'm starting to notice, Tim, is that there's been some more continuity, at least with some of the storyline. And it seems like at the very least, there's a path that they're on. And that's, I think that's worth celebrating because for a while it's felt very, uh, you know, a little disconnected sometimes. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. It's uh there's a, an effort in the continuity that hasn't been there in the past. Well, I don't know, several seasons anyway, it's even the little stuff that adds on to that continuity as well, where, you know, they'll, they'll say after the break, we're going to be seeing this. And then when they come back from the break, someone's saying, before we jump into that, you know, here's May. Thanks, Joe. I'm here in the back. And it's, oh, it kind of looks like it flows more than it ebbs now. A hundred percent. I know you guys pointed that out yesterday, but it is something that uh, I noted as well. And I, I felt like that helps the show flow better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I know Dave Scooby has mentioned this in the past, I know uh, when they film these episodes, they don't necessarily film in order. They just kind of film as much content as they can over the course of the two or four days, however long they have to tape, and kind of make sense of it afterwards. But I feel like those little, hey, Joe, let's, you know, thanks sending it to me and all that sort of thing, it just kind of makes it flow and feels a little bit better. You know, Jaden, I know you have a background with uh, television and uh I mean, when you watch the show, I know you typically watch USA's on Saturdays. How do you feel about the the uh, consistency of the show and, and when they do elements like that where they tie everything together? One of the best things about television is post-production. If you do it right, it's an amazing tool to use to your advantage. Um, they can 
honestly just completely eliminate promos and interviews from the live crowd just record a whole bunch of wrestling and then kind of write the script around that and i hate using that word in wrestling but they can kind of write it around that and then do post-production with when nobody is there just the actual you know the crew all those backstage interviews and everything can now be added in and you can kind of use that to fill in the plot holes and fill in the blanks to try to create a con- conducive and cohesive story. So I think that does huge advantage that I think they may be taking advantage of now using to their, to using their skills that they're giving. And Dr. Thomas, most likely very, a great reason for it. Cause he's been around going from the territory days to the biggest company in the world. He has experience level at every, every step in between. So he knows about how to create television. Hell, he wrestled for the Memphis Territory on live television, which is an incredibly difficult thing, and then going to Monday Night Raw for live television. So again, it's something he has skill with, and I'm sure they're using it to their best advantage. You know, uh, one of the things as someone who's been able to hang out backstage at the Championship Wrestling from Hollywood tapings is uh, they kind of use that method that you were talking about, uh, Jaden. It's they, you know, they the promos that they film, you know, 50% of them are done before anyone walks into the building. And, uh, you know, they do everything, you know, excuse me, fans, before the fans walk into the building. And, yeah, they do have a few live promos and a few interviews in the ring because you need that fan reaction. But for the most part, all the promos are filmed before anyone walks, any fan walks into the venue. And I think that's a smart move because then it just gives you that window of opportunity to cut promos or excuse me to, to have just the live wrestling and, and cut all your promos beforehand the other advantage too is nobody's tired nobody's hurt nobody's <laughs> bleeding nobody's sweaty uh it creates a much better presentation for your product at least in the television sense maybe not in the realism sense but definitely in the television sense i mean that i think that makes a lot of sense so I'm glad you're with us early tonight, Jaden, because one of the things that uh, Tim and I were discussing off the air was that uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated recently announced, in fact, I think it was just on uh, Monday, their top 500, um, the PWI 500, which has been like a staple in the uh, wrestling community for, I think, about 30 years now. And it, it's always uh, fun to kind of see where people line up. I know a lot of people kind of get worked up over these worked rankings, but um, I, I still think it's, it's uh, worth note uh, noteworthy. That's the word I was trying to come up with to kind of look at those uh, rankings and see where some of the NWA talent wound up on that. So uh, Jaden and, and Tim, I'm going to go through the list and then I want to uh, hear your guys's opinion uh, on where our NWA talent was ranked. Um, I'm going to go backwards with the lowest ranking wrestlers to the highest ranking ones. Give us the per- give us the period again, the cutoff date and all that. Oh stuff. yeah, that's a that's a good information. So the evaluation period that Pro Wrestling Illustrated uses, and they they are really they were really pushing it this year. If you listen to Busted Open, uh, they had a few of the uh, uh, folks from the uh, magazine on, and they made sure to show the emphasis that they start evaluating talent from July first, twenty twenty one through June 30th, 2022. So there is an entire calendar year there, but they do split it up uh, in the summer. They literally split it up in June. Um, so they, it, it, there is that uh, that opportunity that some of the talent you'll see from 
like uh you you know for the nwa for example um you know nick aldis didn't hold the world's heavyweight championship in that calendar year you know he only wrestled for it uh, twice so um you know his his name isn't as high as it would have been in past years and in in guys like you know jack stain uh he held the national title uh since march up until the 74th anniversary show when he lost it so his ranking would be a little bit higher than you know some of the other guys who uh you know haven't held a title uh you know one of the names that i was kind of shocked that was missing was the pope but uh when it comes to you know strict win and loss records and you know recognition the titles that he's held he he hasn't held a title in the last calendar year and uh his win losses in the nwa haven't been you know stellar so it's it'll be interesting when we get to some of the names and I, i can't wait to hear what you guys think and of course, in the chat, please jump in uh, and let us know what you think of these rankings. If you haven't seen them before, spoiler alert. And if you've already seen them, maybe you already have a, an opinion on it. But we'll start off, uh, like I said, in reverse order. Uh, speaking of Jax Dane, he cracked the list at 487. And that was your national champion for a good chunk of that run. Um, you know, Jaden, I know that you're very familiar with Jax Dane. Where do you think... Uh, do you think that's a good ranking for him, uh, considering he held the title from March till uh, August as the uh, as a champion? The Actually. one thing that I think is that the NWA's disadvantage is he held that title for, through March, and then because that's where the TV taping was, and then he didn't defend it except for on pay per view until the next TV tapings. Yeah, uh, and I think Jacks Dane not getting out there more in the independent scene, even though I do know he occasionally does. I think that hurts him also. I also think the level of... I don't think his reign was as good as it could have been. Bad booking has definitely plagued it, in my opinion. Um, And his list of challengers weren't built up that great until around the time he lost it. So I think what happened in Jack Stane's situation is if we're going to go on quality of opponents and big time matches and wins and losses. His wins aren't as impressive as they should be. And his reign is not as impressive as it should be. So that's not horrible, but maybe I would say maybe a higher up in the 400 would be more accurate. What about you, Tim? What do you think about Jack Stane at that number? Yeah, I think Jane's bang on. I think it's important for us to remember as we start this list um, that it's not an NWA list, right? It's a, no. It's an all wrestling uh, list from PWI, which has got to be older than 30 years. I'm pretty sure I was about 15 when I first picked it up, but um, which was longer ago than 30 years. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good spot in the 400s for, for Jackson. I think Jane's right. If it's just what he's done in that calendar period, you know, the national title probably puts him somewhere in the, in the 400s and, and keeps him there. And I mean, like we said, that that's covering, um, you know, AEW, WWE, Impact, New Japan, AAA, CMLL, um, you know, NXT, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, All Japan. It's not, you know, it's not just in the United States. It's, it's international. It's global. So yeah. um, one thing people don't know, too, last year, they officially inducted women into the PWA 500. 
Yeah. So that means there's more competition for those spots. Something I both agree and disagree with. And now listen to me before you get mad at me on this one. I don't normally mind being controversial. But this one has a reason. I don't mind if the women are going to be added if it's a top 500 wrestlers and that's the criteria. It's based on wrestlers. I just think that if that's true, they should get rid of the women's 500 because that seems to be um, honestly, it almost seems like it's a a slight at the women. I know it's great publicity for them and everything, but if it's going to be the top 500 wrestlers, then they should be included in that ranking without getting their own. And if they're going to get their own, then it should be a male's ranking, a female's ranking, a tag team ranking, a midget wrestler ranking, a um, a, a dog catcher ranking, you know, whatever rankings they want to come up with, but they should be specific to those categories. If it if it's going to be all inclusive, then there should be men in the women's category then, or something at least. And yeah. then, and a category for Dave Dahl. Well, yeah, that's job. That's jabroni category, which he would uh, <laughs> definitely be number two behind Barry Horowitz. <laughs> um. So okay. Um. Uh, and uh, real quick, I wanted to point out our pal James said I never once followed or looked at the ratings ever. I couldn't tell you who ranked and where ever, which is fair. Um. Our buddy uh, Luthez said uh, he, he agreed with you, Jaden. Bingo. And then, uh, are we in the ECW arena? Yeah. Bingo. Put them. <laughs> and then uh, Matthew Underwood said a cruiserweight's top 40, baby. I'm all right with that, too. I love cruiserweights. And then uh, the PWI 500 has started publishing the, the 500, the list. Uh, started in 1991, so that 30 years is just about right. I guess 31 years or okay. But um, getting back to it, uh, more of the top 10. Um, and I used even some of the obscure guys just because they did spend some time in the NWA. Of the next guy, uh, ranked 471 is Aria Davari, who uh, participated in the first season of NWA USA and was part of the junior heavyweight uh, tournament. Um, Tim, what do you think about uh, Davari's inclusion? That's fine. I, I assume that he's been more active elsewhere than in the NWA, and and therefore, you know, ranking higher than Jax. I'm okay and, with that. And uh, Jaden, I think it was just NWA trying to pick up on anybody with any kind of name value whatsoever. So people are like, hey, look, I recognize that guy, and he probably is more active than Jax. So I would say, yeah, fine. And then next on our list is uh, J.R. Kratos, number 468. Of course, uh, during that time, he was half of the NWA uh, Tag Team Champions, of course, spent a lot of time with New Japan Strong and some of the Northern California independent wrestling scene. Um, you guys have any problems with that one? I think he should be 469. I like 469 better. <laughs> who, who doesn't? So, uh, you know... So far, so good for the for the NWA, right? I think that's a fair a fair uh, ranking thus far. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Victor Benjamin, who was briefly in the NWA. Uh, him and Lady Frost, that's his wife, um, uh, were in the NWA collectively for just a minute. Of course, Lady Frost ended up signing with Impact, but then um, Victor Benjamin stuck around. He's at 463. Uh, I'll skip around a little bit here. Uh, next up, we have Darius Lockhart, who, again, was uh, a very strong fixture, a part of that junior heavyweight division. He uh, was part of the four-way at the Crockett, Club, uh, Crockett Cup to crown the new world junior heavyweight champion. He was ranked at 462. Uh, VSK 
was ranked 453, of course, as part of the Cardona family. Uh, this one surprised me. 448 was Kerry Morton, the son of uh, Ricky Morton. I thought that very was very active down south, though. Very active wrestler, so that's probably why. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's great, right? I mean, it's good for him, good for the NWA. Uh, this one surprised me as 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 low as he was was Doug Williams. You know, I know that the uh, British wrestling scene wasn't quite what it was, but uh, the fact that you know he's such a iconic wrestler and meant so much to the British style of wrestling, I was very surprised to see him at 443. Tim, what are your thoughts on uh, the former tag team champion at 443? Well, honestly, I've been thinking since we started this, I wonder if the fact that they're featured in the NWA, some of these guys, puts them lower down on the list, right? This is this is not the WWE. It's not AEW. It's not MLW. It's, you know, it's, it's the niche market we've talked about. So I think it's probably fair. I'd like to know where he was last year on, on the list, but uh, maybe I can look that up. Um, and then, Jaden, what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Doug Williams being uh, that low on the list? I don't follow um, British wrestling like I used to. I don't follow Japanese wrestling like I used to. I don't really hear his name out there for any place except for possibly the NWA. So okay. it's very plausible that the NWA may be the only place that he's wrestling. That's okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, I'm going to kind of skip through the list here. Um, and, and if you guys hear a name that sounds like you want to comment on, please go ahead. Uh, we got Kylie Ray at 418. Of course, her and um, the little blue dragon, uh, Tootie Lynn Ramsey, were uh, tag teaming a lot after the uh, 73rd anniversary show. Uh, JTG, who has been mostly a tag team wrestler with Dirty Dango in the NWA, this one kind of hurts. Ricky Morton at 402. He's active. He's wrestling. He's got name. He's got wins. I know, but he shouldn't. That's all I'm saying is he shouldn't. Uh, Matt there's, a, there's There's about a bajillion wrestlers who shouldn't be in the ring. And if, <laughs> if, you have to, if you can't disqualify them, then Ricky has just as much right as the other people that don't belong there. Son of a bitch. Quit making sense. Um, Matt Taven came in at number 400. Uh, I like this one. Luke Hawk was 397, but PJ Hawk was 387. The uh, the son has surpassed the father, at least in terms of the PWI 500. Uh, then we've got Rhett Titus. I know you're a big fan of Rhett Titus, Jaden. Um, he came in at 380. Do you have anything you want to add about that? Yeah, he should be higher. Uh, former Ring of Honor television champion, never really got a run with it, but he defended it everywhere he could wrestle as that champion. Most of the time, not on TV because there was nobody let other independents and have it. But he should be a lot higher. In fact, he should have gold somewhere in some major promotion. And uh, you know, when when you say that, like if you think back to last year, because this list, uh, you know, started in July, uh, July one. 2021 i mean he was defending that tv title up until they shuttered the program you know and that that didn't happen till the end of the year and then of course he's had a lot of uh matches on the indies as well but then showing up in the nwa part of the world junior heavyweight uh title scene part of that tournament what number was he jay uh he was uh 380 he was 376 last year so pretty much the same spot doug williams did not make the list last year Um, this next one uh, might surprise a few people, but I, I think it's warranted, and that's 
Kenzie Page at 360. Um, you know, Kenzie Page being one half of the NWA Women's Tag Team Champions. Uh, she's held some intergender titles and she's done some intergender wrestling um, and some of the promotions in the in the South. Uh, but she's really starting to make her name in the independent wrestling scene. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add on Kenzie Page? No. All I know from her from last year beyond the NWA was, is it Deep South she was she's with? She did yeah. some stuff with Rolando. Was Rolando Freeman here, uh, or maybe she still is right now? But yeah, I, she's she's really coming to her own this year, I think. So I expect it'll. Hey, whoa! Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I. You know, I'm I'm fine with it. I don't know what else she's done on the independents. Um. So uh, our television champion at three fifty two. Held the, held the TV title for an entire year. Um, and, you know, I'm not mad at that ranking for him either, considering uh, I think 99% of his wrestling has been in the NWA. I think that actually might be a generous ranking for Tyrus at 352. Um, at three, 314, we've got Brian Myers. At 306, we, we have Mike Bennett. At 282, we have Chris Adonis. Um, this next one shocked me and uh I, I think you guys might agree now i know he's done a lot of wrestling outside of the nwa we haven't seen a lot of them lately but at 236 we have paro and that that kind of surprised me now i know he does a lot of the independence i know he, he works a lot with effie and and those promotions uh the game changer wrestling promotions and stuff like that um uh, but that surprised me Jaden, are you I mean, do you think that's a good ranking for Paro? I'm not even sure he should be ranking, but that does show the power of like some of those more uh, exposed independent promotions that have some stroke out there. And this isn't the old Pro Wrestling Illustrated where it's very traditional. The new editor-in-chief is a lot more fan-friendly to what we would consider modern wrestling. Um, and in some cases, consider uh, outlaw mud show wrestling. So, um, I think that ranking is because of his more probably for his, his time working with Effie and the other promotions with the higher value than the NWA, possibly. Yeah, I'd like to know where uh, Odin is and and also Matt Taven. So hopefully, we get to there soon. Uh, well, with Taven, Taven was four hundred. So uh, I didn't see Odinson on the list. If I missed him, you know, someone can holler at me, but I didn't see his name on the list. Uh, next up at 314, we have, excuse me, next up we at 229, we have uh, the non-binary nightmare, Max the Impaler. At 226, we had Colby Carino. Um, at 196 and 197, we have the Crockett Cup Tournament champions in the Briscoe Brothers. Real quick with Colby. He another one who's wrestling a lot more now on some of those more well-known independents with the higher thing. And I think that's probably more of a contribution to his ranking than the NWA is. Yeah, he's jumped a lot since the previous year. He was 487, so he's he's got up 200 points. Our, our buddy Willie with the joke of the night, 352, that was Tyrus's baby weight. That's a good one. I'm going to give I, you that one. I like that one. Um but I need to pull it off the screen. Uh, 
so we had the Briscoes at uh, 90, 197 and 196, J and Mark, respectively. At 105, we have our junior heavyweight champion in Homicide. Again, I know that uh, Jaden's going to point out that he's wrestled pretty much everywhere, uh, even before he winning the uh, junior heavyweight championship. So it's cool to see him get recognized. Especially um, because he's defended that junior championship and promotions, not NWA. And honestly, he's the uh, the bright spot in the NWA when it comes to champions right now because he's really taken every challenger on. I think uh, you know, we could talk a little bit about this later this evening, but I think right now we have like three of those, three of those competitors who are really taking those titles uh, to greater distances than just the NWA. Um, then uh, at number 75, we've got uh, Trevor Murdoch. Now, during this time, he was world champion, right? But uh, as DKM and I discussed uh, during his reign, and I'm sure you guys will agree, he was never booked to be a strong champion. And it felt like it almost felt like he was just holding the title till something bigger came along. Obviously, that's not the case at the moment. I feel like they're using him in such a great way currently. But last year, I could see where uh, I'm actually surprised he cracked the top 100, uh, the top 100 in the listings. Um, Tim, what do you think of Trevor Murdoch at 75? He was 78 last year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. Uh, we, I think I almost, you know, Trevor's not one of those three that you're, you're going to talk about later. No. Um, so maybe it's a bit of a higher ranking, but it's, it's, I guess it's nice to see the NWA champion then and now uh, ranked as high as, as that. And then uh, after that, we have Nick Aldis, who came in at number 60. Now, what we have to keep in mind here, and this this is why this is such an interesting ranking for Nick Aldis, is he was not world champion at all during this calendar period. In fact, he only challenged for the title uh, at Crockett Cup. So after losing the 10 pounds of gold, uh, you know, he lost it in 2021 at the at the anniversary show. And then spent the entire year, like not even in the title hunt until Crockett Cup, where he lost to uh, Matt Cardona. So him being at 60 is kind of, uh, I mean, I think it's appropriate, maybe even a little higher than I probably would have given him. What do you during think? That, during that period, he's also worked for Impact. He's also had his put his name out there. He, uh, he may consider you a ham sandwich jabroni there, Jay, but <laughs> in reality, he's great for putting out himself over. Oh, yeah. He does it better than just about anybody, and he gets his name out there, and he's been in some high-profile matches. I mean, he had a feud with Cordona, and if Cordona was probably still champion and didn't get hurt, who knows where that would have went. And then he went to Impact with his wife, and he's done things, and he's got a vitamin supplement company that he puts over. He uses his platform better than just about anybody, and I actually think he may be even a little lower than he should be, and that's probably going to shock some people because – I know there was an anti Aldis sentiment for a while, but Nick Aldis has what it's like. He's he's what a, a company should want as a representative when it comes to the physical, the way he looks, the way he holds himself, the way he talks. And I think that is why he is so high and why he should be higher. So let me just run down some of the matches that Nick Aldis has had in this time period. Now, he did defend against Trevor Murdoch at the gathering uh, in Charlotte uh, prior to his title defense at the 74th anniversary show. 
He wrestled against Odinson, teamed in Strictly Business, defended the title against Stephen Bonner at the uh, at the uh, uh, MAW, which I believe is the Midwest All-Star Wrestling. Uh, lost the title to Trevor Murdoch. Uh, teamed up with Tim Storm to take on Strictly Business. Wrestled Chris Adonis. Uh, uh, he he flew to uh, Poland and lost by DQ when Chris Adonis interfered in his match. Uh, ended up teaming with Trevor Murdoch to take on uh, Strictly Business. Formed the British Invasion with uh, Doug Williams to battle Strictly Business. At hard times, he, he defeated Tom Latimer. Uh, the British Invasion defeated Hawksari. The British Invasion defeated uh, Jaden Roller and uh, Fable Jake. Uh, defeated Tom Latimer in an I Quit match. Challenged for the Ring of Honor. I forgot about this one. Challenged for the Ring of Honor Championship at Memphis Championship Wrestling against Jonathan Gresham uh, back in February of this year. Uh, back to Poland where he defeated Chris Masters. Uh, unsuccessfully challenged for the title um, at Crockett Cup. Uh, teamed with uh, Harry Smith and Doug Williams against the Cardona family on TV. Uh, beat Mike Bennett, beat Jordan Clearwater, beat Deontay Marshall. Teamed with Mickey James at the Impact uh, WrestleMania weekend. Beat Ari Davari, defeated Brian Myers, uh, and then challenged for that title at the Four Way at Always Ready. And then uh, made one more appearance with Impact Wrestling as one of the originals. So yeah, I mean he's been around. He he traveled to Germany. Um, He's represented the NWA well, and he's 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 been in a lot of different places. So you were right, Jay. And I, I I I will gladly admit that I was wrong on that one. He he did actually do a lot uh, last year, and that should be recognized as such. You should be used to it by now. I'm always right. Hey Tim, how do you feel about avocado? You know, I can take it or leave it. Mostly, I'd leave it. It's all right, though. I mean, if it's there, I... there's a there's. I'm the only person on this show that enjoys guacamole and avocados. So, um, and then of course, number thirteen. I'll put it this way: I I'll, I like guacamole, but I'm not paying an extra dollar fifty for it. Oh, I don't blame you for that one. I agree with that. Yeah. Especially when I can make it at home better. Um, so, uh, and that leaves us with uh, the highest ranking NWA wrestler. Matt Cardona, who was number 13. So that's your PWI 500 when it comes to NWA talent. Uh, any names in there that you would disagree with? Any names in there that, uh, uh, like Jaden pointed out, Odinson was missing? Uh, I feel like the Pope should have been in that list somewhere. Uh, Tim, is there anyone that you feel like should have been a part of that? What What's Camille's uh, yeah. presence during this period? Like, where is she? Smiley Kylie Ray's on this list. No, that's a great point. Uh, Camille really got uh, snubbed on this because Camille has been such a dominant champion and really, like, in that time period, has been everywhere. Well, maybe not everywhere, but has been very active as women's world champion. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to pull it up right now. Let's talk about it. Um, I almost feel that the women that got picked were wrestling men and doing more intergender matches. That's probably it. That's probably it. Um, but, like, you know, just looking back, uh, you know, because Camille won the title um, when our shadows fall. So she was champion going into this evaluation period. 
when she had victories over Kenzie Page, Amber Nova, Layla Hirsch, Chelsea Green, Tootie Lynn, Christy Janes and Kiara Hogan, Allison Kay and Melanie Cruz, Anna Diaz, Kenzie Page again, Christy Janes again, uh, Melina, uh, Kiara Hogan, Kylan King, Mercedes Martinez, Taryn Terrell, uh, Shalance, Shalance Royal. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Shalance, uh, Chelsea Green and Kylie Ray, Paola Blaze, Maddie Rinkowski, Ali Catch, Taya Valkyrie, uh, Layla uh, Lennox, Kenzie Page, Kenzie Page again. Um, so I, mean, I, heard, I heard Tom Latimer laid down for at least one star in this time period, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. This was her only intergender match. Uh, I bet he jobbed on that one. <laughs> uh, some of the comments that are in the chat that I did want to get to. Uh, Matthew Underwood uh, pointed out that Aldous did have that Ring of Honor title match. We got to it, Matt. We got to it. Lou says uh, Nick worked St. Louis this past weekend for Herb Simmons and was very well received. I, As much as I have been accused of being a hater on Nick Aldous, I've always said that the dude is extremely talented into what Jaden was saying earlier. If anyone can get themselves over, it is 100% Nick Aldis. Um, well, like you said once a few weeks ago, Jay, like you love steak. And, you know, if Nick Aldis is, is a perfectly well done, you know, steak, you don't want steak every night. No. Sometimes you want something else. And that's the problem. But he is, when just to what Jaden was saying, he is a guy who, when he's standing there beside pretty much the entire NWA roster, nobody really compares in terms of overall package. Nope. 100%. And, like, look, your favorite wrestler could be Tom Latimer, and Tom Latimer is great, but he's not Nick Aldis. Your favorite wrestler could be Trevor Murdoch. Um, and Trevor's, Trevor has grown so much as an athlete, as a performer in the last – few months i mean i think he's taking it to the next level but he's still not nick aldis right but with all that being said i'm glad that trevor murdoch is champion right now because i i would kind of like a break from the steak that i've been eating um james bell says it'll be interesting if there were as an easy way to measure wrestlers social media presence versus rank uh i wouldn't really know how to do that but i'm sure you could do that i'm sure there's a way to figure that out i think you would go to all their social media pages and um, see how many followers they have? Would that be the easiest way to do it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, Matt Cardona. Sure. Well, well, yeah. I mean, Matt Cardona should be ranked higher, a lot higher than he is, because I'm sure he's got a bigger following than some of his contemporaries. Uh, Matthew Underwood wants to point out that uh, she did beat Thunder Rosa too. Uh, Lou says, Lou says, said, I will say it's complete bullshit, and I think that he's talking about Camille not being ranked in there. Dustin Davis, uh, Dustin, I met Dustin at the first NWA TV taping, and uh, he uh, helps uh, a club at, at the high school that he's at, or maybe it's middle school, um, and actually they have a wrestling club there, so welcome, Dustin. And I know Dustin is a huge Aldis fan, so <laughs> so the, there's no problem there. I know uh, Aldis actually um, did a video chat with his class, so there's a really classy move that Nick Aldis did. Uh, I still don't have to like him, though. Um, 
Dave Scooby says the PWI uh, 150 for women is coming later this year. I believe, like Jane said, women on the PWI 500 also do intergender, which that makes a lot of sense. That I mean, that makes sense. Um, and then Willie says, don't forget Rekha Tahaka. I don't think Rekha Tahaka had enough uh, enough matches, um, you know, where she was uh, wrestling against men or uh, in the spotlight. I know she's recently... Uh, coming to her own in the United Wrestling Network, and I think she's great, fun to watch. I saw her at the uh, Atlanta TV tapings for the United Wrestling Network as well, but um, I don't think she's got that spotlight yet. And <laughs> Dustin says, "Love Latimer, love Murdoch." Uh, James says, "That's why it's good. He's traveling to other territories, so new audience can see the act. He'll, he being Nick Aldis, yeah, I, like I think it's great that he's doing that." Um, he's certainly uh, putting in the work, and I think that's good for him to um, showcase who he is. Because if if there's ever a doubt, you know, he is still very much the ambassador of what the National Wrestling Alliance is and what it should be. Right. And uh, Dustin says, if all this is steak, I guess that makes Murdoch beer. Yeah, we'll take yep. that. The thinking I man's thought, wrestler and the drinking man's wrestler. I would have thought a bacon cheeseburger personally, but okay. <laughs> I'm going to throw this up here for a second, Jay. Matthew Underwood asked, where do EC3 Flip Gordon and the Control Your Narrative guys rank? They do not. They, They're not they, on the PWI 500 this year. I did, Yeah, I did not see their names on there. I could be mistaken. A lot of these guys kind of got hurt because they were released and weren't able to compete for a while. And then the whole, by the time the whole control your narrative thing was coming out, I don't think people were looking at those guys in the top list. Now, maybe I missed them. Maybe they are on the list. Uh, and it, like I said, I, I could be wrong on that, but I don't recall seeing their names. And I, I mean, I, I was, I was trying to find even the obscure talents like Kylie Ray hasn't been in an NWA ring in probably nine months, but I wanted to include her because she did spend some time in the NWA as long as well as uh, Davari too. He hasn't been competitive in the NWA ring since uh, uh, before the Crockett Cup. So I just wanted Matt Cross to... Matt Cross is on the list, and would he be considered, or hasn't he wrestled the NWA this year? No, he, he didn't come back after the um, after the pandemic. Because at that point, Cross ended up in MLW uh, during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> and then uh, James says, guess they can't control their ranking, pun intended. That's good. I like that, James. So uh, with all that being said, uh, you know, the PWI uh, 500 is a worked list. And of course, you know, it, it is the opinion of the writers and they do, you know, their, their set of values and, and what they look for is maybe different than what we would look for. But it's always fun to just look at where people think those talents should be at. Hey, Jaden, and not to hold up the show, Jay, but for you as well, do you know, like, do, do talent work? the PWI guys to try to get higher in the list. Have you heard of that before? Look at Killian McMurphy. <laughs> very oh, yeah. talented wrestler. Very talented wrestler. He very much works the PWI guys, and that's why his ranking is so high. Okay. Um, so, yes, they 100% do. I used to be friends with somebody who worked for the PWI. Unfortunately, I wasn't. he didn't work for long before he ended up having a stroke. But that's where a lot of dog wrestlers got in there. Yes, it is very much, if you know the right people, it helps the also PWIs in the Northeast, so it's very Northeast, North, 
East centric. And I know that's a lot of people get mad, but and honestly, where the Northeast goes, except for small parts of California, the rest of the United States goes. Cause right. that, and that's where a lot of the influence also, I think, in the PWI is, is based on where they happen to be based out of. Yeah, that's and that's true. I mean, uh, years ago, uh, we had Frank Querda on the podcast. Did I say his name right, Jane Querda? Querda. Querda. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I mean, uh, it wasn't specifically about the PWI 500, but he was very clear in saying that uh, putting Scorpio Sky and this was before I lost sound or is Jay muted? You lost sound because I hear him. I have lost sound. I'll Can you hear me now? Tim, we lost him. Uh, Jane, you remember when Frank came on and he was specifically saying how in, you know, and this was long before AEW or long before Scorpio Sky uh, kind of hit it big in Ring of Honor, how guys like Scorpio Sky and like Joey Ryan were not made to sell magazines for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You know, you put John Cena on the cover or CM Punk on the cover because they sell magazines. That is true. And that's why Nick Aldis um, will be higher the ranking because just looking at him, he looks like a professional wrestler. He'll sell a magazine based off of the way he looks. Joey Janela made the list. Yeah. That yeah, makes North sense, though. Northeast centric, a lot of big time matches and big promotions that even though, you know, they may not be everybody's cup of tea, they get their name out there better than most people ever do. So that's why. And, and he, you got to also remember, too, like he spent a lot of time in AEW at that time, too. And I'm not saying he was like the star of the show, but I know that they did have that storyline with him and Sonny Kiss and, and that whole thing. I, you know, I know he was on TV, so I, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Sure. Um, Matthew Underwood says, I mean, what's the shoot list? Sports Illustrated? There isn't really a shoot list. I don't think there's no way to really quantify it. It's everyone. It's just a, it's like a, in a work sport, it, you can't really come up with statistics that are meaningful. Like win loss record, sure, it's important. But, you know, if my storyline is that Tyrus is unbeatable and he wins 100 matches, that still doesn't make him the best wrestler in wrestling. Um, and James Bell says if Willie would get on the tire span wagon, he will be top 50 next year. <laughs> and then Willie says, yes, James, tires will be on the top, top of a buffet dinner table. <laughs> I love the, I, uh, I love, the I just want to, I just want to know what kind of, what's that table built out of marble to hold uh, up tires. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, a hydraulic press, I think maybe. Mickey James did not rank, by the way, since Matthew was asking. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like uh, Jaden pointed out, it sounds like most of them were intergender matches, which makes sense. We know Kenzie Page had some intergender matches. Maxine right. Taylor wrestled some intergender matches. So for seeing those names on there, that, that, that makes sense. And probably why we didn't see Camille on there. With that being said, um, you want to talk about a little power, Tim? You want to talk some power... I don't really want to. Do I have to? Uh, no, but you could you could always chime in with some of your thoughts and opinions. What people don't know is that Jaden's been working in the wrestling industry for some time. Uh, early on in his career, he was a performer. Now he's an assistant to Dr. Uh, Lawrence Zirconium at Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. 
And during those that tenure, he had spent some time in the uh, talent relations between the NWA and Dog and, and everything else. Plus, he's got background in television and film, and he knows a little bit about everything. So that's why we always have Jaden on here, even though he doesn't necessarily watch uh, Power. He does watch USA from time to time and is mostly uh, familiar with what's happening on the program. So anytime we have a chance to pick his brain because uh, of his time in the industry, both uh, past, present and future, uh, he's an invaluable asset. That's why he's part of the show. Did you call me an ass? Oh, an asset. Okay, I got you. You were both. 100 percent. 100 percent. Let's see. Um James H. Jackson says it's great seeing Matt Cardona at number 13. He was working hard for his ranking and it was everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. And that's the thing. I almost feel like Cardona should have been ranked higher. Um, injury. Well, the injury. Yes, you're right. And that's probably what it is. You're hundred percent. Right. I mean, the guy in front of him, I believe was John Moxley at 12. So uh, it's not a terrible place to be, but I still feel like uh, at that point in time, like he, he definitely brought some eyeballs to Game Changer Wrestling. He benefited from that relationship. Um, you know, the NWA certainly benefited from having his name attached to the program. So, but again, I, I, I get—I don't know how much of that matters to the people who are writing the list. But um, let's get to Power. Uh, this is another episode where NWA Power starts off uh, with action already ready to go in the ring. We're at the Skyline Studios back in Nashville, and you've got Pope and J.R. Kratos taking on Casey Rocks and the Question Mac. I will not be calling him the Question Mark. I will never call him the Question Mark. And uh, they're both managed by Aaron Stevens. Now, I can't help but think this is a horrible waste of the Pope's talent. I know uh, I kind of heard you talk about this yesterday too, Tim, that this guy should be in the main event. You know, he should be challenging Trevor for the 10 pounds of gold. Instead, we get him uh, nearly mocking uh, rocks in the ring uh, by the way he sells his offense, which is he, he doesn't. Uh, Pope had rocks up in a suplex for about 30 seconds. It, it was such a flawless move for him to do. He was literally talking to Kratos while he had uh, rocks up in the air. Uh, Stevens distracts the referee so that the question Matt can blindside Pope. And that's where the match kind of actually starts getting interesting. Uh, the announcers are, keep trying to play it off as if they're not certain who uh, the question Mac is, which is very insulting to the audience. Uh, what saddens me is that, you know, it's not this. The question Mac isn't a bad wrestler. Well, I love Rodney Mac, and I think he's he's very talented. And, and I think the chicanery that they're trying to, to pigeonhole him into this gimmick is stupid. And I'm going to keep saying it because I really feel strongly about this. They shouldn't be doing this. This is a waste of time. Uh, but again, when, when Mac is in the ring, the, the wrestling isn't so bad. It's actually a pretty good match. When Rox is in the ring, it's almost laughable. Uh, he should probably not be in the ring with heavyweights. Maybe they should leave him in the junior heavyweight division where he may, may be something. But when you put him in the ring with heavyweights, he just looks out of place. Kratos and Pope win with a, I'm going to call it a wheelbarrow suplex. I, it was a very impressive move. I don't think he's going to get it on bigger guys, but he certainly got it on this one. Um, post-match, Stevens attacks the Pope. Mac attacks Kratos. And then we get another person dressed as question mark. I'm going to call this one the question mock because it's a mock question mark. 
And uh, I'm not going to call him question mark either. So we got the question mock. And mock attacks uh, Mac and then threatens Stevens and says that uh, – well, well, we'll get more into that later. Um, Wait, real quick. Is is the run of the reasons it's question Mac and question mark and question mock is because there's so many marks in, in the NWA already? Uh, no. It's because I really feel like it's dumb to – try to exploit a gimmick that was made famous by Josephus who passed away. I was and, being very facetious on that. <laughs> facetious <sorry>. for Josephus. <laughs> I, I'm very uh, passionate about this. I really think it's in bad taste, so I so I get fired up about it. Uh, Tim, what did you think of this segment? We're aligned and always will be aligned on hating the question mark gimmick being rehashed here. It was, from my understanding, is it was over in Atlanta, but you know beyond that, it had kind of a, a middling following uh, at the time. So someone must love it. I and I, I said the other day, yesterday, that like I'm I'm assuming they got sign off from, you know, Josephus's family here or something. It's it always seemed like after he passed away that the family was fairly close to the, you know, to Billy and whoever else. So, but even if they did. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, it's pretty tasteless. You're you're bang on about Casey Rocks. You know, I have a 14-year-old son. He's like 130 pounds dripping wet. And he looks about the same size as Casey Rocks. And it's it's almost equally insulting in, in a different way that he's in the ring with these guys. I mean, he gets treated like he's 150 pounds. Like, don't don't get me wrong, but... What a waste of Pope. Uh, I thought Kratos has looked physically better um, in like the season or two when he was around before. And it's just, you know, and here's another question, Mark, question, Mac, question, Mark, to join into the fray that, you know, not to spoil it, but we're going to see more of. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a disappointing way to, to start the program that I want to watch this week. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really exactly. Well, like and I said during your uh, during your show yesterday, I said, like, you know, what do you guys feel about this? I felt like I should turn off the TV, which I did. You know, I had to come back to it and watch it. But it's such a it's such an unsavory flavor in my mouth when I see them. Look, kind of like it, avocado. <laughs> it's tragic when anybody dies. Let's let's be honest. It's tragic. Um, you know, but we all know that uh, death is a part of life and it's just, it's just the way it goes. Sometimes I felt it was very classy when they dedicated a pay-per-view to the memory of Josephus. They put Aaron Stevens in a title match in memory of Josephus and they hung a Mongrovian flag in the studios to honor Josephus. This was all honorable intentions and all of it was classy and I appreciated all of it. Yeah. I don't think you needed to revisit it, and I think it's tasteless to do so. <clears throat> and uh, just for the record, I'm not alone. Matthew Underwood's with me. We're going to eat avocado in New Orleans. Um, okay, so next up, uh, then we have Kyle Davis joined by Bully Ray in the studios. And and this is a different Bully Ray. I'm not used to seeing this. Uh, he's an exuberant baby face. What? His name is Bully Ray for crying out loud. This is uh, so uh, contrary to his character, um, but he's out there with the fans. He's putting the mic in their face, having them, 
you know, chant for the NWA and, and chanting for power and everything else. Uh, such a, a twist of events to see Bully Ray as a baby face. Uh, maybe they'll just change his name to Babyface Ray. Um, <laughs> he's interrupted by Matt Cardona, who says, tells him basically to get the hell out of here. And it's funny, there was a huge parallel to how Matt Cardona was treating Bully Ray as to the rest of the NWA roster was treating Matt Cardona when he showed up. Uh, very much they did not want him here. Nobody likes you. Get out of here. And, uh, you know, then he even says, he goes as far as to say that Bully Ray has no friends. And uh, and when Bully, uh, kind of his response was, well, the fans are his friends. And uh, he says, you know, Cardona, you're the most famous you've ever been in your entire career right now in this moment, and that's the best you got. Take 15 minutes, think about it, and come back with a better promo. Uh, and then essentially Matt just challenges Bully Ray and a mystery opponent to take on VSK and Knox, uh, thus kind of continuing the storyline between Bully Ray and Mike Knox and the whole Cardona family. Um, I mean, I'm I'm happy to see Bully Ray around. I think he brings something to the show. He does have some credibility. He does have some name value. Uh, Jaden, what do you think of a guy like Bully Ray being around the NWA? He's got a radio program that gets lots of publicity. That's something the NWA needs because, honestly, nobody's watching it because it's exciting. Um, he has a name value, a former Impact champion. He is in the best shape I've ever seen him in. Yes. You know, so those are all positives. Um, what I think the NWA should be doing is these guys should be putting over and creating new stars so the NWA can create their own yeah. instead of just putting – everybody over the age of 50 in the main event, but Hey, what am I, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just Jaden, the guy who's always right and thinks avocado is disgusting. <laughs> well, you're wrong on that one, but uh, Tim, your thoughts. He was so charismatic. And, you know, I remember seeing some of his run as with the aces and eights and in impact and thinking, Oh, he's really come a long way since the, you know, the, the Dudley gimmick. Uh, he was the most charismatic and the best shape, as as mentioned. That I, I've seen him. He looks like he's having a great time. Yeah. His that that comment that you you mentioned. He said to to Cardona, like you know, you hide behind Twitter. Like this is what you this is what you do. Go take that. I love that. Go take fifteen seconds and come back, right? And give me a give me something better. I just I thought it was great. I'm sure uh, I'm sure a guy like uh, Jim Cornette would would hate that he kind of skirted the, you know, the line between reality and, and uh, you know, the television product, but I, I liked it. I liked the, the segment. I mean, it's, it's bully and it's, it's going to be a mid card thing. Uh, it was fun to see him once as, as a specialty attraction. I don't know that I want to see him a lot moving forward, but he's, he's good to have around for now. I, I like exactly where they're putting him in the mid card. Um, you know, I know he does have some name value, but I don't necessarily want to see him challenging for the 10 pounds of gold. Yeah. Um, I think putting him in the mid card and kind of, uh, you know, uh, James H. Jackson says right here, not knowing who Bully's partner is going to be, has me on the edge of my seat trying to guess who it is. I know a lot of people are hoping it's going to be Devon. I don't think it's going to be Devon. I think he's retired. He's injured. It's not going to be Devon anybody. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping it's going to be somebody on the roster who would benefit from spending some time with Bully Ray. It was is pretty Spike funny. Still wrestling. Say that no. again. I was going to say Spike still wrestling. Oh 
god, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, it was funny at 74 when he got that table from under the ring and turned back to the camera and said, where's Devon when you need him? <laughs> he is no. a funny guy, man. I, I do listen yeah. to the, the radio show, uh, Busted Open. Um, he has great insight. I do... I find myself agreeing a lot with what he says on his takes on pro wrestling. And, uh, but I also think he's pretty funny. And so, yeah, I, I'm happy to see him there. And like I said, as long as it stays in the mid card helps get some people over, I think that'll be good uh, for the NWA. What if he fights Murdoch in a television main event? Say that one more time. What if he fought Murdoch for the championship in a television main event? Would you be okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if he's there to put over Murdoch, I'm, I don't have a problem with that either. I don't really want to put him in a pay-per-view, but if it's a televised you know, match, yeah, I'd be all right with that. But I think he's better suited for the mid-card. Like, I don't think Murdoch needs to beat uh, Bully Ray to be over. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Murdoch needs to beat lots of people right now, and that's what he should be doing is beating everybody. Yeah, that's true, too. You, you make a good point. Um, next up, we have May in the back with Latimer. And this is a, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. Each time I see Tom, he seems more reserved than he used to be. He was, he was a bit of a, a feral beast when he was in strictly business. He kind of said what he wanted. He did what he wanted. And over the, over the last few months, years, he's kind of been humble. And maybe it's, and maybe it's the, the effect of Camille being his wife has on him, but he's, what are you saying? She neutered him. Are you saying that she emasculated him? Is she the one that holds the uh, the pants in that family? Is she with the one with the balls the size of grapefruit? I hope not, though. I think about that, but Dude, you know I'm what gonna, I mean. I'm gonna be there in a couple of months to <laughs> see them. I don't need you to fire this guy up on me. Uh, I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying that he is a lot more calmer version of Tom Latimer. Maybe uh, he'll say something about you, and you'll get another best-selling T-shirt out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, that I mean, that made money for charity. We did, we donated all the funds to that through the uh, uh, JDRF uh, Junior Diabetes Research Fund. So I felt really good about that. And in some ways, I don't know if Nick Aldis ever knew that, but he should feel good about that too. Um, the tweet out right now Jake Al says Camille cuckolded uh, her oh, husband. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I have video proof that is not what I said. <laughs> I can edit that any way I want. You know, the television background comes in handy. Post production, baby. Uh, well, then I guess I'm doomed. Um, we got May in the back with Latimer. Um, she asked about his problems with EC3 and how that's going to impact his pursuit of the world title. Now, uh, you know, Tom Latimer is a guy who we say it all the time, very underutilized on the roster. He hasn't held a title since the first season of Power. And, and they famously lost those belts to Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Ugh. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he says that, yeah, it probably will have an impact on that. But once he overcomes that obstacle, then then he has his sights set on the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, she then asked him about Bully Ray. And this is going back to what Tim said earlier, the continuity of the show. It seems to flow a little bit better because, again, this happened uh, after that promo with uh, – Kyle Davis and Bully Ray, where he, uh, where um, Matt Cardona said Bully Ray doesn't have any any friends, and then uh, you know Tom kind of comes to his aid and says, "Look, you know, he he mentored my wife, and of course, if he needs something, you know, uh, he's a good guy. 
he didn't say he would be the partner, but he 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 made it sound like uh, you know if, if he asked, he'd be available for it. So uh, I thought that was kind of a cool segment. Uh, Tim, what'd you think? Uh, no, I thought it was kind of a waste to be honest. I, right. I but I don't care for Tom Latimer as a face, and I, I think when you're mentioning him being reserved, it's I think because he's he's one of those guys like like all this, but in a different way, he's a natural heel. Yeah. And, okay. He comes across to me as someone who uh, has kind of difficulty on the face side and sort of results to being quiet about it. But, you know, I didn't think too much of the, of the segment. It was just, it was short, so that was good. But I, I mean, and I'm a Latimer fan, don't get me wrong. That's always good when it's short. Um, real quick, James Bell says, I wonder if Bully is there to help with stability while the Pumpkins tour. I hope Bully will be forceful behind the scenes. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit that. That's all right. <laughs> uh, forceful behind the scenes when he sees bad storylines. Well, I'll tell you this, James, and, and from my understanding, uh, Billy's the boss, period. And when Billy's not there, Pat's the boss. But Billy still controls everything, and I guess he micromanages as well. Um, I know that Tom Pritchard's been around. Um, I don't know if Bully is, has anything to do with creative. It would be interesting if he did. They do have some pretty interesting, uh, um, not coaches, but producers mm -hmm. on the program. I mean, you know, uh, 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 Jazz is uh, helping to produce. Uh, Medusa helps to produce. Uh, Homicide helps to produce. So they have some pretty uh, good uh, good talents to be around that have a mind for the business that have been around for a while. And uh, so I, I think when it comes to that, I think, I don't think Bully Ray really would have much to do with that. Uh, then Matthew Underwood says, uh, Devon is seconding Bully Ray on an indie show coming up. I, I heard about that, but I, I think it's just a, you know, like a manager type role. And then Matthew Underwood also points out Bully Ray versus, or with Devon versus Cardona. Uh, December 13th at the ECW arena. It's funny how that's happening uh, in, in the ECW arena, but they're already kind of planting seeds in the NWA for it. Um, okay, so the next uh, segment is we get Joe Alonzo versus Sion in a non-title match. Now, I know that Joe Alonzo and Sion have had some really good matches in the past, uh, I know that uh, Sion um, defended the title on September 3rd at the Wrestling Showcase uh, pay-per-view as part of the pre-show against Joe Alonzo, and I heard the match was really, really good. Uh, so I have a lot of high hopes for this match. The last time they were in the ring, it was a lot of fun. But this, the majority of this match was kind of dull. Um, there was a lot of Sion seemingly just toying with Alonzo, it seemed like Alonzo was way out of his league for most of this match. Um, so it was a lot less exciting than the previous outings they've had. Uh, Alonzo does wake up and connects with some interesting offense, including a move that kind of uh, immobilizes Sion uh, briefly, where he's having difficulty just moving around in the ring. Uh, and then also hits like a springboard cutter which I thought was going to get him a victory right there, uh, but it only netted a two count. Sion uh, ends up winning the match with his cartwheel Death Valley driver. Always a fun, interesting move. Um, 
But this match, I don't think, was uh, the best representation of Scion and Joe Alonzo that I've seen. What were your thoughts on this one, Tim? It came off of a segment on NWA USA where uh, they had Scion, or now the great Scion, yeah. with uh, with Austin Idol and on one side of the podium and Joe Alonzo on the other. I think it's the first time that we really heard Joe Alonzo speak. So at least there was a bit of a setup for it, but you're absolutely right. It wasn't the match that they had last season that was, you know, for me, at least one of the top three matches last last season. Um, they really tore the house down. This time around, it just it is what it was. It's kind of a bit of a weird ending too. Yeah. Um, it was a good length, and I'm glad they had a rematch. Uh, it's it's also kind of, you know, interesting that they make it a non-title match. And the reason they did that on the segment before an NWA USA was saying, "Hey, uh, you you have to you have to beat me if you want a title shot, kid." Um, and usually that le- piques the viewer's interest into thinking, "Well, if it's non-title, the challenger's got a better shot than you know maybe he normally would." And they didn't go that way this time, which, uh, you know, I'm not disappointed in. Yeah. What do you think about that, uh, Jaden? Uh, the fact that uh, they've had some pretty good matches and in, in, in this one seemed uh, non-title. They're building it up on USA, but it was a non-title match and, and Alonzo still took the loss. Um. I guess it does first jump that higher TV trope of it's a nice to the challenges again. It does add something to the unpredictability now in wrestling, so that's probably good. And if since they've had good matches in the past allegedly and they didn't now, sometimes no matter what, when you have a really good match and you try to live up to it, you don't have the match you have, you have the match you think you should have, and it doesn't work out well. So um, I think that's probably what happened at this in this juncture. And by the way, just to make you guys jealous, I have a chicken cutlet sandwich with both barbecue sauce and hot sauce on it right now on a seated roll-up. So if you don't hear from me from a while, it's probably because my mouth is burning. I'm going to put you on mute. <laughs> uh, I am jealous because I haven't had dinner yet, so it sounds awesome to me. Um, uh, Matthew Underwood says Scion says he's defending in Louisiana. Maybe our guy Corey Constantine. That would be cool. Uh, if you guys don't remember Corey Constantine, we interviewed him uh, earlier in the year during WrestleMania weekend as he became uh, uh, the IHWE um, Junior Heavyweight Champion. And uh, I would love to see him get an opportunity to wrestle in the NWA, opportunity to wrestle against Scion. Uh, but I'm not going to hold my breath for that one. Um, yeah, I also heard that uh, Scion has uh, some some uh, <sighs> a bunch of feelers out, and he's looking to try to wrestle in St. Louis. I, I've I've seen Southern California. Um, you know, none of these things have been 100% confirmed. But when he has dates, he he does post them on uh, Twitter. So make sure you guys are following Scion if you want to see where that national title is. I actually wrote about that today uh, at alliance-wrestling.com. Uh, the Ode to Olivia, if you guys want to check it out. And kind of talked about uh, what Sion has done as his time in the NWA and as champion. I, I thought it was a fun read, but uh, you guys can tell me. He's also got on Twitter some really funny pictures over the last couple of weeks. Like 
today's was he's in a bathtub with, of course, just the mask on and <laughs> Olivia beside the tub. He's got him eating pizza with the belt. He's got the belt working out at the gym and he's or, having fun. Or my favorite was the uh, water slide with the belt oh, on. <laughs> and he goes down. It, it, he doesn't look happy at all, but it, it was a, a great pose. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say what's up to Media M5. Thanks for being here. Uh, we're here talking about power. If you guys are, Tim, is that a ridiculously small can or are you just uh, a lot larger? <laughs> just a giant. No, um, kid size Cokes. No, it's, it's all I need, man. That's, that's awesome. Uh, just <laughs> I want to make sure you weren't Andre the Giant. <laughs> uh, so next up we get uh, May and she's in the back. Uh, and she's getting ready. She's doing a promo to hype up the next interview, which, again, that's the continuity that uh, Tim was talking about earlier in the show. And Rolando walks in, and he's talking about it. Everyone's talking about the world title, but no one's talking about me. I beat the two-time former – or I beat the former champion twice. That should put me in line to face Trevor Murdoch. I want a title shot. And May gets so flustered that she reverts to Portuguese yelling at him, and I thought that was brilliant. It made my day because, you know – May is a professional. She does a very good job of, of, of being professional. And for her to get flustered like that, I thought was funny. Uh, Tim, what did you think about that? You know, I, I got to say, so much of, of everything Rolando's involved with is just makes me cringe. Like the, <laughs> the Cardona victories and, you know, uh, calling out Trevor Murdoch and making me so afraid about where that's going to go. But God damn it! Sometimes he's funny. I mean, you put him in the in the right situation with May Valentine, as you say, yelling at him in Portuguese, and you know him getting flustered in return, walking up. He's funny. Yeah, he's, he is funny. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, like I said, I'm not a huge R Rolando fan either. But that I thought was a funny segment, and uh, and so then after that, uh, then they actually do go to May Valentine. Uh, who is talking to Ricky Steamboat, former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, multiple times. And she asked Steamboat, um, what does it take to be a world champion in 2022? Um, and, and, you know, Ricky was kind of going on uh, a bit of a tangent, talking about, you know, whether you're a heel or face, that people have to be invested. And I thought that was, you know, a really good advice, really smart thing to say. And then we get Ronaldo, or Rolando, who walks back in and interrupts and, and says, hey, you know, Ricky, I know that uh, you are a great champion in your day, and, and, and you can help me get a title shot against Trevor Murdoch. And Ricky goes, I don't even know who you are. And that was the best. He, I don't know who you are. And uh, for all I know, you just walked in off of the street. And that, that that fires up Rolando, who is like, hey, you know, uh, real fired up. And uh, it's kind of funny because this is coming off the heels of the announcement that Ricky Steamboat will be returning to the wrestling ring on November 27th of this year. And uh, not that I'm a huge fan of guys who are a lot older coming back to wrestling. Um, uh, it was a funny segment for me. Uh, Tim, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was like, it was just sort of a extended version of, of number one. Uh, I've looked up Rolando on the internet and, you know, elsewhere, his persona is sort of a, a pint-sized version of Razor Ramon. He, <laughs> he goes by the uh, 
the moniker of of Miami Ice, and so he he, he calls everybody Vato and you know, <laughs> sorry, it, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty pretty funny. So there's a lot of that in in his character, you know, even here. Just that I don't know. He, he's amusing. I don't want to see him wrestle. He's he is involved at least partly responsible for the reason that I can't take Matt Cardona seriously as a world champion anymore. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him continue to wrestle, um, in small spots, no pun intended. Uh, even, you know, perhaps in the junior heavyweight division, I would feel less offended by watching him in the ring. Um, and I'm not trying to put the guy down cause he, he obviously he's talented Obviously, he's a wrestler, um, but it, it's just, I, you know, and the same thing with Casey Rocks. I don't need to see him wrestling against the Pope. You know, the Pope is the biggest guy on the roster, and the Pope dwarfed him, straight out dwarfed him. So stuff like that, I, I don't want to see. I don't need to see. But in this in this segment, I, I did get a chuckle out of it, and that's, yeah. I agree with you. I don't typically like uh, like that sort of stuff, but I thought that was good. Um, next up, we get the Queen Bee match. Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure the, what the Queen Bee even means. And they said like it's not a title. Okay, so what is it? You know, no one's really kind of identified what it is. And I guess it can change. Uh, the champion doesn't have to lose the the. Excuse me, not the champion. The the bee, the Queen Bee, doesn't have to lose her crown in order to uh, lose her crown. I guess. Um, and we get. Uh, uh, we get Max the Impaler teaming with Angelina Love and Natalia Markova, who was the last Queen Bee, taking on pretty empowered uh, Ella Envy, Kenzie Page, and their new uh, appointee, Roxy. Now, the match starts off with Ella Envy and Angelina Love. And, and I got to be honest, Ella Envy is like, uh, I think she does a great job being a heel. Um, I, I love the fact that she's so loud and obnoxious and like almost like nails on the chalkboard. Um, that's, you know, I think it's perfect. The, the gimmick works, um, watching Angelina love knowing what she used to be. I feel like she's moving at three quarters speed. Right. And, and I, I, I hate to, like, I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but I just, when I'm watching her wrestle, I, I don't feel like she's going full force and it, that that's problematic, especially when you have her in the ring with Natalia Markova, who makes everything look so crisp and so like, uh, intense and, and to go back and forth between that three-quarter speed and the balls to the wall full speed it just it, it kind of pulls you out of the element um yeah for the most part envy just pushed roxy around in the match uh mid-match they announced uh, uh velvet sky announced it this just handed to her that roxy is a part of empowered so that was kind of i don't know why they did that you know mid-match you should have said that in the beginning um, but, uh, the, the match itself was just kind of, you know, Kenzie came in, did some stuff and then tagged in Roxy. Then Roxy got beat up and then tagged in somebody. And then LNV did some stuff and then tagged Roxy back in. Uh, but basically, uh, the first phase of the match ended when, uh, Roxy got dropped on her head and kind of a scary moment. Uh, Maxine Paler looked like she might've been going for the wastelander or a power bomb and just stumbled. And uh, Roxy kind of hit hard, but apparently she's okay. So that's good. But uh, that was kind of a scary moment. What, mm -hmm. Did you think so too, Tim? Did it I look did, like yeah. It was definitely an ouch moment. But yeah, she seemed to be all right. 
Yeah, I thought uh I yeah, like you said, she seemed to be all right, so that's good. Lately I've been seeing a lot of like just sloppy wrestling all across the board. And and not just women's wrestling, but men's wrestling and and uh somebody had a clip up today on Twitter and it was literally people just getting dropped on their head and at and at that moment I felt very bad for Roxy and really anybody who gets dropped on their head because having wrestled uh amateur uh, in my high school days, I know how it feels to be dropped on your head, and that's not a fun experience. And even though a wrestling mat is padded, it's I mean, it still doesn't stop your neck from hurting for days afterwards. So, um, yeah, I, I just uh, didn't like seeing that. Um, then we go on to the second phase of the match where we have uh, uh, we have Markova working together with Love um, to try to take out Max. So you had two on one, and they were still outnumbered by the non-binary nightmare. Um, Max connects with a wastelander on Angelina Love. Markova is able to, to to kick Max in the face. That takes them out of the equation. Markova goes for the pin, gets it, and now it's one-on-one Markova versus Max. And we'll be honest, Max is uh, just too dominant of a force to really uh, to, to be in any kind of peril when it comes to um, Natalia Markova. However, the match got thrown out because neither uh, neither competitor was listening to the referee's instructions. So again, you know, talk about matches and what's meaningful, what's not meaningful. And you, you, you're throwing around this Queen Bee, this, this prize, this you know, thing that you haven't really defined. And then the second time you have that match, it ends in a no contest. That just seemed a little off to me. Tim, what were your thoughts? I had a funny little comedy moment at the end where Max picks up the tiara and yeah. goes to like put it on her head and then just throws it down and stomps on it. Um, that was, uh, that was amusing. No, it, it, it felt, I felt almost exactly like you did. Angelina loves at three quarter speed, but someone said in the chat, she's, she's a little older now, of course. Um, and understandable. Uh, and Ella Envy, who I always thought Kenzie Page was like, I mean, and she is, she's improved so much over the, the last year. Ella's like even a half step above her uh, personality wise, just she looks solid. You know, the, the sounds that she's making <laughs> are, 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 I don't know, they draw your attention. Um, I, I don't know, the Queen Bee match as a, as a whole is weird. Um, you know, you, you last time it was, it was uh, trying to remember now who won that one. Oh, Markova won that yeah, one. Yeah, Markova won the first one. So I guess she, they kind of tried to tease that she might win this one, but it just mostly felt like a vehicle for Max the Impaler to, uh, you know, kind of show her dominance once again. Jaden's been popping in and out, by the way, down below. So, he seems to be having trouble. Haven't yeah. Seen him a bit. yeah. Yeah. I think he's still eating the sandwich. So he's like, I'll just stay off. <laughs> um, one thing I did want to point out, though, is, uh, or two things. Um, Taryn Terrell seemed more upset by that crown being destroyed than Natalia Markova. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and the worst, uh, the, the, the thing about it, too, is I actually like the idea of the match. The concept to me makes a lot of sense. But I would rather that victor of that match maybe qualify for a women's title match down the road. Or, you know, they keep talking about the TV title, uh, <clears throat> what they did before this season. And that maybe that this would be some sort of 
qualifier, the winner of that match would get an opportunity against the future TV champion or something like that. Right. Uh, because I think I don't, I don't have a problem with the match itself, but if it's going to be so convoluted, there should be something more valuable than just a TR at the end of it. Yeah. Did, but you know, along those same lines, for the Burke Invitational, did they even bring that trophy back out from last year that Chelsea Green won? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't recall. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there should be something that is better than a tiara. And then Dave Scooby, our pal, who joins you every Wednesday at uh, six p.m. Eastern, three o'clock Pacific. Uh, with the other alliance guys brings up that uh, this is a good way of building Max up after losing to Camille at the 74. And I agree with that. Max, uh, Max, I don't know who should take the belt off of Camille more. I'm kind of torn because I feel like both Max would be a good person to do it. And I also feel Taya would be a good person to do it. I just don't know who's going to be the one to do it. It's going to be Taya. You think so? Calling it right now. Uh, and I think it should be. Um, honestly, as much as I think Camille's been so dominant as the one-time champion, um, everybody should have – the title should change hands from time to time. She had a year-plus long reign as champion. Uh, she's proven a point. She's still dominant. And I think at this point there's nothing left for her to do. Uh, you know, we saw the, you know, she's, she's churned from heel to baby face. Uh, she's beaten everybody. I mean, it's time to, to do something different. So, you know, and I don't know what her situation is. She's obviously very well respected by management and, and the locker room from what they're showing her at 74. Right. But you got to think at this point, at least impact must be calling. If not one of the big two. Um, there's got to be feelers and interest out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I like a good time to step away for her. Yeah. When you look at it, like, uh, you know, AEW is building up Jada Cargill, right? And uh, as the TBS Women's Champion, I know she's not really like in the mix to challenge for the AEW Women's Championship, but, you know, they're building up Jada Cargill. And I look at her and she's, yeah, she's jacked. She's, She's got a great look and everything else. I feel like Camille's a better wrestler than her. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing those two lock horns at some point. Right. Uh, James points out that Angelina Love is just two years older than Taya. That surprises me. Uh, It feels a lot more than that, but um, I don't want to, I don't want to get too down on that. And then Matthew Underwood says, and Johnny Power comes in. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Look, Johnny Power, Johnny USA, Johnny Surge. Uh, I'm all I'm good with any of that. I think he would be a welcomed addition to the roster, and that's the thing. Uh, I, was, I don't know who I was talking to about the other day, but when you look at this Power roster right now, this NWA roster, and you look at they, this is the most star-studded cast they've had, and when you look at who are the guys on the kind of the top part of the card, you know, Trevor Murdoch's your world champion. But you also have Nick Aldis, you have Matt Cardona, you have EC3. Yeah. And and now you're kind of seeing a Bubba Ray Dudley, um, JTG. I mean, you've got some guys with actual star power, some guys who have some bigger name value. And that's it's as a fan, I'm I'm happy to see it. 
but that doesn't mean I wouldn't mind seeing somebody like, uh, you know, uh, Johnny, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Raw, whatever they, whatever they call him these days. Uh, I'd love to see him have an opportunity in the NWA as well. And the roster is quite extensive now. It's it's yeah. more than you think. Uh, like I, I didn't number the list. I actually was bored one night last week and started numbering all the people for some NWA power rankings that I thought we might get into. And I don't know. It had to be going on to seventy names anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, um, look, I know Taven and Bennett are used more as a tag team, but, you know, uh, Bennett has held gold and impact in, in WWE and, and, and Taven is a former ring of honor world champion. Taven is a former CMML, uh, CMLL NWA middleweight champion. I mean, these guys have held some pretty serious gold. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing them, uh, you know, split up for some time and, and pursue those titles. Jack Stane is still kind of like your uh, Grand Slam champion. Uh, I could see him really slotted anywhere and being uh, uh, a potential challenger. And I, I think this is a, a good problem to have. I'm not, this, this isn't J. Cal complaining. This is J. Cal celebrating. The NWA's finally got a, a pretty decent sized roster. I would yeah. like to see some of these talents really start taking it to the next step. You know, our uh, our other Alliance guy, uh, Fantasy Booker, has a really good angle right there. Uh, and let's put that up then. So Dave Scooby says, to keep Camille safe, only have her give up the Burke in an injury angle. Oh, shit. That is actually pretty smart, uh, Mr. Scooby. Yeah, I never lost it. Yeah. Still or, one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, and who knows, maybe – that you know injury could lead to uh taya and and max battling for that title and one of them could take the take the reins for a bit while you know she mends i respect I you booker man <laughs> that was good scooby good good thought and then james says as our pal kevin frazier always says on twitter and i agree with the nwa has the most talented women's roster hands down i i really feel like the roster is good I, I think maybe the impact roster might be better, but the NWA women's roster is pretty solid too. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. a bright spot. James pointed out before, like if, if Camille ends up going somewhere though, is she and Tom a package deal? I was thinking that right before we put that up that, and that might be good or bad, depending on, on how you're looking at it as a company. And that's, and that's a maybe, I think, you know, that's a maybe because um, you know, it's not always a necessity for a wrestler to be in the same promotion as their spouse or significant other. Other, I mean, we know right now Mia Yim is not an AEW, but Keith Lee is. We know that Britt Baker and Adam Cole were both uh, separated for a while uh, where they worked in until recently. Um, you know, Adam Cole was in the NXT WWE and Britt Baker was doing things in AEW. Um, I don't think that's going to necessarily make or break it. I mean, even Andrade is in, in AEW and, uh, you know, uh, Charlotte is still in the WWE. So it's it's not a necessity. And the um, taping schedules, I've, I didn't think of that either, but the taping schedules really wouldn't prohibit them being apart. No. It's only taping four days a month. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. And and it's one of those deals where like um so we we don't really get into details, but we know that uh we we know that there's some history with uh Tom Latimer and, and he wasn't always a good guy. And right, right, and right. so like that could prohibit him from taking that next step, be it WWE, AEW, hell, even Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't that I don't think uh, it would be a smart business decision as husband and wife to keep Camille down in the NWA when she has opportunity elsewhere. Right. Uh, just just my two cents on it. Um, let's see. I missed a few comments. Oh. Uh, James says, is she staying in the NWA because they're giving him regular bookings? I mean, that's a possibility, but I don't think so. And and and, and the thing about it is, is the other thing you have to look at is the four-day commitment to the NWA every quarter. It's not every month. It's every quarter is right. pretty sweet because you're on TV all the time, YouTube, fight, whatever you want to call it, and you're allowed to kind of travel the world and still wrestle and still defend and still – a challenge every other wrestling promotion that's out there. Uh, I mean, right now, Matt Cardona is wrestling in the UK. Has Doesn't interfere with his tapings for Impact. Doesn't interfere with his tapings for the NWA. Doesn't interfere with Game Changer Wrestling. And, you know, that's he's making money. Every time he gets on an airplane to go wrestle, he's making money. So, uh, well, let's wrap up the rest of Power. Um, oh, your favorite segment. Segment of the year. It's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a uh, a backstage interview with May, and I'm going to call him the question mock. If you guys don't understand that, watch the beginning of the show. Um, I, I so much dislike this. I so much wish they would do anything different. Like, you can even have him on Grovian character, but the question mark, come on, man. It's like this was a Josephus original here, and I feel like it's – it's desecration every time I see someone else wearing that mask. Um, although at least this guy is in the more traditional Mongrovian uh, uniform. Uh, he says that he is question mark number two, the brother of the original question mark. And as we discussed on the Discord forum, I did not see Gary Horn anywhere near uh, the, the question mark two. So maybe uh, the question mock is actually uh, Gary Horn in disguise. But um uh, I think I already know what you're gonna say, Tim. But this is just trash, right? This is this is uh, this is a flaming trash. This is garbage. Uh, it took me probably about five minutes to to figure out who who the uh, the man behind the mask was. I'm I'm pretty sure anyway. It doesn't matter, I guess. We don't really go into that here, and it doesn't beg too much of our the, the the subject matter doesn't really take too much of our energy, shouldn't anyway. It's just, oh, great. So what are they going to do rather than back away from the, uh, uh, you know, the question mark stuff or end it quickly or whatever? They're going to they're going to lean into it and give us more of it. That's fantastic. It's just I, I hope that the, the Pope just, you know, shakes his head and finds some way to get away from this garbage because it's just it's mind-numbing and it's stupid and i don't want to watch it and and i think we would agree like i like aaron stevens i like jared kratos i like 
the Pope. I don't like Rodney Mack, and I we'll talk offline. I don't know who the the question mock is, um, but I probably like him a lot better without the mask on. Period. Um, and I just don't think that this makes a lot of sense for an organization that really celebrated the passing of Josephus. There was a, a large fan appreciation of Josephus. Now, of course, the, those that that character never left the Atlanta studios, so it, it's hard to say if the rest of the world would have reacted in similar fashion. But this is a dramatic version of what we're going through right now. But say someone. I'm wearing a Bob Eaton shirt. How about that? What if they bring a guy in with a blonde mullet and he goes, I'm Robbie Eaton. I'm I'm ravishing Robbie Eaton. You know, and and, and we're the new new Midnight Express. We'd all like everyone would just universally go, What is this crap? And and that's what this is. It's it's that, and we should continue to mock it at every turn. <laughs> fake razor, fake diesel, right. bombastic Bart, uh, uh, beautiful, whatever. You, you know what I'm getting at. Where this is garbage. Moving on. Moving uh, on. Then we get Trevor in the back with May Valentine. Now this was again. I do enjoy this Harley Race esque version of Trevor Murdoch. He is the best version of Trevor Murdoch I've ever seen. He's very cold and calculating. A little bit of grumble when he talks mm. and he says that uh he's bringing back ruthless aggression to the <laughs> nwa which i'm like well wait a minute that was the wwe thing that's though. good shit, pal <laughs> <laughs> let's see where this goes right um it may suggest that tyrus is debating about cashing his tv title for a shot at murdoch now that's something we hadn't i don't think we previously heard before uh but that would make a lot of sense because Tyrus, even even though he lost that title match to Trevor Murdoch, I don't think we ever saw Tyrus look as good in the ring as he did against Trevor Murdoch. And, and maybe the storyline is that, hey, you know, maybe if I have just one more chance, just one more shot, you know, could I take that 10 pounds of gold off of my cousin? And I, I think I think that's a good storyline. And I think it'd be an absolute legitimate way to take the belt off of Tyrus to make that TV title something that would be more uh, available for other talents, specifically other members of the Idol Mania Sports Management. I'm talking about you, Jordan Clearwater, um, but there's other guys on the roster that I think could benefit from it. I've heard Jack Stain is is eyeballing it because then that would mean he would have held every title that he uh, physically could hold. So I thought that was a good um, good thing to bring up. May then ask what. Uh, why did Trevor get involved with the matchup between Cardona and uh, Rolando? And Trevor basically said simple that, uh, you know, he owed Cardona one and uh, that what Cardona was doing to Rolando was not right. And as a champion, it's his responsibility to do the right thing, which it's like, Oh wow. So this whole time I kind of felt we were having going towards a heel Trevor Murdoch. He's still kind of like tweener slash baby face. And I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, what do you think of this one? I loved it. I mean, so the demeanor that he puts out there, the language that he's using is, you know, you got May, May telling us, uh, you know, the word is that he might cash in that lucky seven and take the shot. And Trevor's response, like he doesn't shrug his shoulders, he doesn't go on a tirade, just goes, "That's his funeral." 
Yeah. That's it. It so so much was said in in those two or three words, and um, you know the the language I, of I gave him a receipt when when uh, you know when the, interfering with the Cardona match and using ruthless aggression and just trying to tell you what he's about with as little words possible. It it was you you know you hit it right on the head. He is the best version of Trevor Murdoch that we've ever seen. And I don't want him to lose a town bounce of gold now. I want to see more Trevor Murdoch. This was the Trevor Murdoch we were clamoring for when he won the title. Right. And what we got was Knox beating him up and and Knox beating him up again. And then Cardona getting the best of him. And then Cardona winning the title. And, you know, the the really, I think the only match he, he he had two matches against Knox, one match against Gangrel. And then the match against Cardona, and that was unfortunately that was it for him. So, I uh, like Jaden said earlier on the podcast, uh, I'd like to see him defend early and often. I know Tim Storm has that championship series cash in. I'd like to see. I hope to see it this season. Him trying to cash in. I would like to see uh, Tyrus cash in. I hope it's this season. Um, I hope he gets a couple more title matches before he ultimately faces Cardona in New Orleans uh, in November. You know, and a couple things, like one with, with Murdoch too, like he's, he's pretty heavy and, but, and I originally I thought, well, I'd like to see him lose a few pounds, but when, when he got it, like he came from the back, got up on the, on the apron, hit the top rope bulldog onto Cardona. That was seconds. Like he gets up quick. He moves well. So what do I know? (laughs) <laughs> but for this segment right here, yeah, it, it seems a bit weird with May saying, hey, you know, we're hearing that Tyrus might cash in the Lucky Seven and take another shot at your belt. We get it in the next match, though. So that it was kind of a new, different way of telling the story. They kind of maybe put the cart before the, the horse, but the way Tyrus acts in the next match, they really sell it. Yeah. And again, the continuity the storytelling and it all ties together. Yeah. Um, this is a, m- a much improved version of power. And you know, Poyo, Poyo Damar uh, comes on the pre-show on, on uh, Tuesdays and, and she kept saying, Hey, this is the best season of power. You guys are going to enjoy it. Stick around. And I mean, outside of some of my nitpicks, there was some, this was a good show. I mean, don't get me wrong. Too much question mock, too much question Mac BS stuff. Um, but the everything else, I, it kind of gelled for me. Um, so we get the championship match, TV title match, a rematch from Always Ready, Tyrus versus Mims. And one thing I will say is when Tyrus did face Mims the first time, uh, the first title match, uh, Tyrus was there to work that day too. Um, he is in such better shape. Um, it's very noticeable. Mims is looking good, uh, sporting some new gear here. And, uh, you know, they, the announcers were even alluding that this could be the last title match. TV title defense for Tyrus is that he might cash it in. And uh, Mims gets some quick offense and looks really good. Even gets a body slam on Trevor, or excuse me, on Tyrus. Uh, but then the mood all changes, and, and Tyrus is pissed. He goes wild. I mean, he's I, I don't think I've seen him do a T-bone suplex in the NWA, but he sure as hell threw Mims across the ring. And then ended the match with the heart punch the, to get the three count. Didn't celebrate the victory. Didn't even grab the title. Just walked out. 
And uh, that looked like a guy who is pissed off and wants that shot at the uh, world heavyweight title. Yeah, I was uh, okay, buddy. You're in the way. <laughs> um, I was uh, disappointed the first time around in this match because um, I I had bought the idea that Mims was going to take the title off of Tyrus because if it, if it wasn't now for Mims, it wasn't going to be at any point in the foreseeable future. And I guess he got legit hurt in that match. Um, it is certainly that seems to have been the story. Yeah. But I thought with the comeback since that recovery that, you know, they would have told a led up to this match, like Mims got hurt in that, you know, something went wrong, he's back, and let's put in a better showing than this was. It was, they didn't go the six minutes, so it was less than that. I hate the heart punch. Uh, it is the worst move in pro wrestling. Uh, it's a punch. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, but what I liked about the match was that, and, and I get that you're you're going to build up this idea that Tyrus is coming back for the title. He came to the ring. G's brought the title. He went in the ring. He focused. He took Mims down a second time in five minutes or whatever it was, and then he left. Yep. And it wasn't like you know, stand around and stomp Mims or, you know, jaw jack at the crowd or whatever it is that he might do. And even Jesus was left like, okay, I guess I'll pick up the title and make my way back. Yeah. And I, I like the thought that that TV title, while it's been his and he's loved it, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. This thing right here is what he wants, right? And I mean, if you just pointed it out, like how many times did he take that TV title on Fox News? How many okay. times did he hold that belt and say, look, I don't need the world's heavyweight championship. This is a world title. It's a world TV title, you know, and he, you know, he said that many times while holding this and saying how important this belt was, how meaningful it was. And, but honestly, when you look at this belt and you look at the 10 pounds of gold and the men who've held the 10 pounds of gold and what it means and what it, what it's everything. And all of a sudden that TV title has lost its luster. All of a sudden, that's not the prettiest girl in the room anymore. And uh, I, I was—I I really liked it, and I felt like this was a much better version of Tyrus. And uh, I don't know, man. I—I I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I want to see the rematch. I know. I feel exactly the same way. It's interesting to be a little afraid the second time around that this could go the other way if Billy wants to see the 10 pounds of gold on Gutfeld, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Media M5 says, uh, I'm hoping Tyrus cashes in and wins over Murdoch. Uh, you're going too far. You're yeah, stop it. Far, media. Uh, <laughs> foul. Throw it to the back. Yeah. Somebody's hurt out there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think uh, I think we agree with you halfway. We, we would like to see him challenge for that belt again. I even think DKM would say the same thing if he were here. Um, but Jaden probably wouldn't because, you know, he's kind of a smart ass. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I was happy with this episode overall. Like I said, I, I did not care for the, uh, you know, the 
atrocities with the question mark, but everything else I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you agree? I do. Um, yeah, the question mark stuff was was crap, and you know we wanted to see a little bit more out of Scion and Alonzo, but it yeah. didn't stink. No, it, it could look. It could have been a lot worse. That's true. We like, and I'll be honest. I've I've struggled with Scion because mm-hmm. I know who he is and I know what he's capable of, and sometimes I feel like we don't get what we should get with Scion. And there's sometimes like uh, looking back over the last year and a half, like you know his match with Anthony Mayweather during the championship series when they went all out. I mean, it was great. Uh, there was times where I've seen Sion look like he could be that guy. And then I see sometimes where I don't feel like he's that guy. Uh, this wasn't one of the times where I thought he was a superstar. Right? He didn't look like uh, the, the great Sion. But nevertheless, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I think I think we're going to wrap it up here because that's 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 it. We covered the, our bases. Wow. Less than two hours. Just see when Jaden took a break and then, you know, our, our buddy uh, DKM was on sabbatical tonight. So uh, we got through it quick. But, um, of course, Tim, where can they find you at on the social medias? I know uh, NWA Gold, you're, you're still putting out content, uh, the website and on Facebook and all that good stuff. Yeah, I got a lot of catching up to do. That seems to be the story of my life this year. But I am on Instagram uh, and Twitter and Facebook. Facebook and uh, Instagram are NWA Championships. Twitter is NWA Gold with an underscore because I like to make it difficult for myself. <laughs> hey, buddy. Where can they find you, Jay? Well, hey, I'm at the Alliance blog almost everywhere. And that means TikTok. That means Instagram. That means uh, Facebook. Uh, what's the other one? Um, Pinterest, Tumblr, uh, all the obscure ones you can think of. I'm not on the truth one yet. Um, I haven't thought about going there yet, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But anyways, guys, thanks for being here on a Thursday. We do appreciate you guys. It's always fun interacting with the hashtag NWA fam. Um, I'll be back on Monday when I interview SoCal Crazy. He has a great story to uh, tell. Survived colon cancer. And we'll be talking wrestling. We'll be talking about his times challenging for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, Grinder and Tinder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, look. I think they call me a cubby. I think I can do well on both sides. I got dad bods, beard, and tattoos, so I'm I'm good. Uh, uh, so I'll be talking to SoCal Crazy on Monday. Uh, then we'll do the pre-party on Tuesday, of course. Uh, Tim and uh, and and Scooby and Jeremy will be here on Wednesday with the other Alliance guys, and then we'll be back here on Thursday uh, as the Alliance guys to talk all things NWA. It's going to be fun next week. I hope you join us. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And uh, is there anything else you want to add, my friend Tim? Well, no. All I can say is until next time, Jay, take it away. We'll see you at the matches. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.